everyone. Welcome to Coach Out Podcast. Thanks for tuning in. And here's what we've got lined up for you this week. Yeah, and that's I think that's a big thing to do early on in the process is say, hey, I expect all of you to be leaders, whether you're you know, if you're talking high school, whether you're the oldest on the team, the youngest on the team, or whether you're the highest scorer, or you get the you do the most in terms of stats, or you do the least. Like everybody should have their roles and know their roles, and they should want to try and do their best to accomplish those roles. For me, the simple strategies, everybody's on their phones quite a bit throughout the day. I have a, I created for Prime Performance, my own company, a success checklist. And it's just a little square box with a checklist on it of things that you can do every single day that are a choice, one way or the other. If you do these things on the positive side, the, the good side of it, you do these things at a high level, um, you know, I think that that is considered a successful day, regardless of how you play, regardless of what stats you produce, regardless of the win-loss. Coach Help is here to help you. Do you want guidance on your own personal development? Do you want to reflect better? Coach Help's primary focus is to help teachers, practitioners and coaches to do that. Get in touch today to set up a free consultation and ask any questions. You can follow us on Twitter at CoachHelp3 or email us at CoachHelp123 at gmail.com. Hi Austin, uh, welcome back. I think you're the, the first one to return to the Coach Out podcast, so that's good to have you for uh, for a second time, mate. Yeah, awesome. I'm, I'm looking forward to it. I've been excited for this all week. been really looking forward to dive into some of the stuff that you sent me and and kind of get going here. Yeah, no, like it's, it's an interesting topic because, again, it's in the like my workplace and previous, previous workplace. I think this stuff kind of crops up a lot and some people don't really pinpoint or kind of almost like reflect on teams you've worked with and then the same things happen again it's almost like how do you how do you work that obviously you were on with us before we talked a bit about confidence this is more probably team dynamic stuff today so um just to kind of set the the scene for listeners it's a bit around like what does whether it's a, a staff team whether it's a team that you coach whether it's a tennis player with a team of staff around him, an individual. It's like, what do them characters look like, and and how do we kind of kind of work with them? So, probably like put you on the spot to start, with Austin. Like from your experience in the psychology world and stuff, um, what kind of things should a coach look for? Say if they get a new job or they go into a new environment where they've got a set of players, what's the kind of things they're probably looking out for in the first? month two months first couple of days i don't know yeah i think it's important i'm sure if they're taking a job they probably know a little bit about the environment already and hopefully they've done their own research so i think it's important to kind of know what you're getting into you know know what's what's worked in the past what hasn't worked in the past but for me personally um if i were jumping in and going to start with a new team and i was the head coach and i was the one kind of running the show calling the shots i think the biggest thing right out of the gate is you got to build rapport I think that that's a very, very big key. And in terms of building reports, not just like getting close and connected with the people that you're going to be around and just getting more familiar with them. It's like actually getting to know them, know them as people first, because whether it's some of your athletes you're going to have or even the coaches around you or even the people that work in the in the same organization that you're getting into. These people are people first outside of sport. Maybe sport is a huge part of their life, but uh, there's there's a lot more that goes on than just sports. So just getting to know them um, from a person first perspective, I think is is really key because everybody thinks differently than the next. And if you can get to know them on a deeper level, 
you're going to set the tone for a, a higher level of buy-in from the people around you. And I think it's also important in that, you know, be relatable and just be yourself. Because if you go in and try to be somebody that you're not, you're going to have to try and put on this facade for many, many years to come. If you're going to try and and be somebody that you're not, it's all about just being you and being relatable and trying to, you know, get to know these people on that, on that uh, person first level is really, really key. It's interesting because again, like probably just trying to throw a bit of a spanner in the works, but be relatable and be yourself. Again, probably go through personal experience and how I've seen other coaches, coaches work. What if, again, you've got a squad of 25, 30 players. What if that being yourself and being relatable, you don't connect with two or three players? Do you think that can become an issue? I mean, that's that's a realistic possibility. I think that you got to go in with realistic um, goals as well. Like you're probably not going to relate to every single player on your team and Honestly, I'd say most coaches with, you know, biasy theory, they, they're going to have their favorites. They're going to have people that they probably invest just a little bit more into than others. And you're probably going to see uh, that return on investment, you know, come back towards them, however much they put into it. But there's going to be players that, you know, I, I work with teams and I'll speak to them and they'll say, I don't care about this sport as much as the, the next person, maybe the star athlete, whatever. They're like, it's just like, this isn't my passion. I play it because I'm good at it that's okay. Um, there's other people that are like, I do it just for this reason. Or some people, you know, they just don't like working with some of the coaches on their team because they just don't feel that connection right out of the gate. And it's, I mean, it is a real possibility. You might not connect to a couple of people. And as a coach, you got to be okay with that. But if that does happen and you really do want, I, I hope that they'll give them a, a conscious effort to say, Hey, you know, like, let's sit down, let's talk about this. I feel that there's a lack of disconnect here, or there is a disconnect yeah. here you know, what, what can we do about that? I think that's the biggest thing ever is for coaches to just sit down and just ask the blunt questions. Don't tiptoe around it forever and just say, Hey, like, I feel this disconnect here. I want to invest in you. I want to to get the most out of you. Like what, what am I doing wrong? What can I do better to, to help you? That's a really interesting way. But do you think ego plays a part from coaches sometimes where they maybe won't go and have that conversation? A hundred percent. Uh, in the same manner that sometimes I'll go to try and start a contract somewhere and it's, you know, I kind of call them old heads, maybe it's athletic directors or coaches and some people even on contract sites that I have some of these coaches are just not interested in, in what I do. I totally understand that, you know, sports psychology, mental health, mental performance, it's not something for everybody. It's a relatively new thing. So if people growing up when they were playing, they didn't use it, they might not be interested to do it. Um, so it's, you're not going to you're not going to hit a home run every single time that you try and go in and build something. But I think that sometimes whenever the coaches can put that ego aside, those are the really great ones. Right. Like not every coach is built equally. The ones that can put that ego to the side and say, hey, I am going to do what I can and put everything that I'm thinking uh, here, push it to the side and, and really get to know this person, see what I can do from my end. To help them, I think it's big. The, the key there is being uh, empathetic, not sympathetic. So when you're building rapport, you want to meet these people. You want to get to where they're at. Being empathetic is caring about them from their perspective. Sympathetic is caring about them from your perspective. So it's really, really important when people come to, you know, you're trying to build that rapport with the ones you might not get along with. And even the ones that you do to sit there and say, I'm going to be empathetic in the fact that I'm going to listen to what they have to say from their perspective, because I might not see it from their perspective. And that's why we have this disconnect. So being empathetic over sympathetic is also very key in that process. Well, that's, I've not, I've never kind of worded it like that. It's really interesting. Um, so like kind of going on from that. So again, probably stepping on a couple of steps around, you meet a new team, you've 
you met all the players, the staff. Again, you, you're trying to build this report. And again, I'm one. Like I think it takes longer with some players than others. Like some you're hitting off straight away. Some takes a little bit more time. And again, sometimes depending on the environment you're in, do you have that time? So that's really interesting. But then once you've almost like collected all this knowledge or this kind of database of how everyone is and, and what's going on before, how do you then probably decide on what's the first thing I need to go and affect in the group? And again, probably people go down like the culture route, got to change the culture or whatever. But um, what kind of things have you probably tried to affect in, in jobs you've been in? Yeah, I feel blessed in a lot of the teams I work with. Their coaching staffs do a really, really good job, especially the head coaches. I work with some really high-level head coaches, and I really was not expecting that right out of the gate, especially my first few contracts. Like, I got some high-level head coaches that do some really good stuff, and I would say every single one of them, and I can't speak for some of the teams because I would I joined, like, later, not in their preseason, yeah. so I didn't get to see what it was like when they first got in. Um, but a lot of my higher-level coaches, what they do is – they set the standard. They have a big team meeting, just players and coaches and then support staff. And they set the standard of here's what this looks like. Um, one of them, they set aside like a whole sheet and they say, this is this is our principles. This is what we expect out of you every single day. And they run down the table of what that looks like on a daily basis. And then, you know, they say, we don't want to be disciplinary, but if these are not met, you know, we'll, we'll review with you and we'll let you know, cause we want to hold you to these higher standards. Um, so when you first get in there, having those good principles to speak about and talk about is really key and laying those out there. And then obviously say, these are just the expectations you can always go above and beyond, I think is really, really key. Um, and then understanding too, and stating that I think it's a really big rapport building thing right out of the gate. If a coach comes in brand new and they are like, I, don't know it all. I'm not going to act like I know it all. These principles are my principles that I think are going to take you to the next level. But I understand that you might know something that I don't, or there might be something going on in your life that I don't know about that keeps you from reaching these standards consistently. So let's talk about it. I, I love when coaches can sit there and say, hey, I understand I'm not perfect. My principles aren't perfect. Like, I want you to be your best at your best. I think that these will lead you there. But like, let's talk about it. I think that that is so, so big when you first get in there is to let the athletes know that. That's, that's really interesting. Because, again, people talk about this, like, the first 100 days in a job and kind of what you would do. Like, I don't know how much you look into that. Is, is there a reasoning, a rationale? Is, a, is it psychological based around why this 100 days is really important? I don't know much research on why it's important from my personal perspective. You know, the first hundred days, you know, I've heard of it. I think it's a good goal to say in these first hundred days, I'd like to accomplish this, or I'd like to set the tone here with this. Um, it gives you a goal when you're not just scrambling around and stating, Oh, well, I got this entire first year to kind of mess around and build my program. And then year two is when we'll, we'll hit the ground running. I think it's a, I think it's a good idea to be like, Hey, in this preseason, while I got time, these first 100 days, I can do a lot of different things. I can do some trial and error here. I can see what's really good and try that out. I can see what's really bad and not do any more of that. So I always say do more good, do less bad. So like do trial and error, figure things out. I don't know the whole psychology behind what it can do in terms of, you know, setting yourself up for future success, but I'm sure that there's a ton there. If you come in and, and lay down the standard and set the standard and set the standard high from day one, 
uh, you're going to, you're going to go farther than you would if you set the standard low, like don't, don't set the standard low just to reach goals and say, you check them off, set the standard high. And even if it falls short, you're going to be probably farther along than you would if you set the standard low. So. Yeah, no, that's, that's interesting how you put it. And then kind of probably moved on a little bit. So again, you've kind of, you know, your team. And again, I think this is your whole, I think they call it the was it something not that norming and storming phases where you start to kind of work each other out, which again, you could probably explain a little bit better than me. I feel again, as a coach myself, you start to work out the actual characters of the teams when we're talking about these team dynamics. And I'm a genuine believer that there's kind of 10 or 11 different characters in a team. If you were to write them on paper and they're in every team that you go to. So you always have like the show off, type of player you always have the one that's really quiet and humble again you might have a couple of each of these but I feel like players find a role within the team as a character I don't know if that's something you'd agree with or disagree with Austin I definitely agree with that uh, I, I think that every team's got a mixture of of most of them some teams will have you know a really good mixture other teams will have a very sporadic mixture that kind of yeah. um, can deter you from success but yeah, I feel, totally. Yeah, and I feel like, and again, when you work with groups who you maybe have over two or three year periods, so for instance, you might have a player who comes into your your program, and then, in when they get into their second year, and players that are in the third year leave, players start to take up the, the character of one of the players that's left, and almost change, because such a such and such a person isn't around anymore who had a negative effect on them or a positive effect on them. You just see people change as they go through. I know that's mature in the grow up and things change that way, but I, feel, I genuinely feel like that's affected within a team group. Yeah. And I, with the um, character portion to it, I think when it comes to working with the different character dynamics, the one big thing that you have to understand with coaching is that you should expect every person on your team to be a leader. You got your humor people, you got your high IQ people, you got your consistent players, you got your ego players. Um, and then some teams I come in and it's like, well, here's our appointed leaders. Here's our captains. Like these are the people that we go to. I don't feel that that's the best strategy. And I think that's probably 95% plus of team dynamics is they have a few appointed leaders and that's the people to go look to. Um, I think that everybody should be a leader in terms of characteristics and, and team dynamics every single person on your team should want to lead. Every single person on your team should have the ability to lead in some way, shape, or form. Whether they're introverted, extroverted, uh, everybody's got a leadership role. You don't have to be the, the most vocal person. You don't have to be the one that's always calling the shots. You could be the one that leads by example. You could be the one that does the little dirty work that nobody else wants to do. Um, there, there are all kinds of different leaders. Rebound, like in basketball, rebounding leaders. There, there's somebody that's got to go up there and be a maniac on the boards for your team to be successful. I consider that a leadership role. Like, hey, I'm going to take that on. If if there's a if there's a ball out there to go get off of a rebound, I'm going to be the one. I'm going to fight tooth and nail to go get it. Um, everybody should have a leadership style. And on top of that, even outside of sports, you know, in business and growing my own business and, and learning about business, leadership qualities are the number one most sought after thing and most businesses and careers like people want to have leaders that they hire into their system and into their programs so to go off of what you said I think I think leadership and having leaders is just so so beneficial it's interesting that you say that because you're right there's a culture now especially in this country and whether it's 
around the world, like you have these almost like leadership groups, leadership teams within a within a team, and it might be the three or four players that. And like I said, I think the last time I did it, the way I, the way we kind of picked our leadership team was three people who connected the group. So it wasn't so much like I said the three loudest. It was almost like not friendship groups, but if we get her as a leader, we know it keeps a hold of them four players. If we keep this one as a leader, she's got like the respect of like ten of the players, and then this other one will keep the other two or three. So you're not alienating everyone, but then, like you said there, how do you then open that up to, well, it should just be everyone. It's really interesting. Yeah, and that's I think that's a big thing to do early on in the process is say, hey, I expect all of you to be leaders, whether you're, if you're talking high school, whether you're the oldest on the team, the youngest on the team, or whether you're the highest scorer, or you get the, you do the most in terms of stats, or you do the least, like everybody should have their roles and know their roles, and they should want to try and do their best to accomplish those roles and go above and beyond on that too. Don't just be, just because you're this type of leader and you're set to that boundary, don't just think that that's the only thing that you need to do. Leaders do above and beyond what they're expected. So, you know, we should have that culture of, hey, everybody needs to do the bare minimum, and we expect you to go way, way, way above and beyond what we expect outside of that too. Yeah. Take it back to kind of like preseason. So, you're again there might be an obvious answer to this you're creating like a team goal or a team target for the season what do you feel are the best strategies of producing them so in my practice i'm slightly different um i don't focus on goals as much i feel like we can get lost diving into our goals and like oh if we don't reach this goal then the season's over oh we're not we're not on pace for this goal and it starts to cause panic it starts to cause pressure so I think outside of the box on goals I think goals are great in terms of providing direction they're a really good standard for what we you know would like to accomplish um, but for me when it goes into creating goals you could have that with the the standards and the principles that you set forth. Like, here's what we expect out of you every day. Like, these are our goals. These are what we want to accomplish. And then on top of that, here's things that we would also like to accomplish, but are outside of our control. So I do a whole controllable and uncontrollable, what you can control, what you can't control. Everybody wants to win championships, right? Totally outside of our control. So as we're talking about these goals, let's just start with championships. Cause I mean, people want to win that like, that's a, that's a thing. Um, what does that look like to accomplish that goal? I think it's important to say, hey, here's a really cool goal if we could win this championship, whether it's going all the way or, you know, winning a sectional championship or a regional championship, whatever. Um, and then stating, what does that look like on a daily basis to actually accomplish that? I think goals are good in pro providing direction, right? But then what I personally gain the most benefit out of and feel that teams would gain the most benefit out of is here are the tools, the strategies, the things that we need to do to accomplish that. Because people will throw goals up there. You know, you'll have your players, they'll throw up what they want, their batting average that they want to bat for the season, how many hits they want to get in baseball and softball. Um, but they don't like have an idea of what it takes to do that. Yes, it's understandable to have a high batting average. You got to get hits in a game. What does it take for you to have a higher chance of success of having a high batting average? Well, it starts with your training. It starts with your strategy. You know, it starts with your mindset. Um, how are you going to be good at those three areas? That I think is what goals are really, really good for is helping you understand where you want to go, but then how are you going to accomplish it? So how would you dig into them? Because I like that. It's almost like you said, we're going to commit to like a process this year rather than a goal. So you said there, one of your targets as a process might be 
I want to develop or the team want to develop their mentality. So how would that, how would you gauge that or measure that or put interventions in place that meet that every day? Yeah. So that's probably where the coach sits down by themselves first and then comes in with the team and says, here's, here's what I would like to talk about. Here's how we're going to build a better mentality from my research and what I've seen. Here's what we should be doing to build a better mentality. So, I mean, I, I can speak from my perspective. That's my, that's my job. That's what I do is to come in and help build mentalities. Let's set up every single time before you guys go out and practice. Here's a five minute deep breathing exercise that we're going to work on. That's going to help you gain more focus. It's going to help with blood flow throughout the game. It's going to help you get more oxygen into the mind and body. That's going to help you play better. Simple strategy. It's a focusing and concentration technique. On top of that, there's all kinds of different things. Working on your self-talk, working on your mental imagery. Um, here And here's how we do those things. Maybe it's hiring in a sports psychologist to come and talk to your teams on how to do these things. And then making sure that they understand you get to go make this your own routine. You could do things as a team. I'm, I'm happy when teams do things as a team, but not everybody's routine is going to be the exact same as the yeah. person next to them. Uh, things, you know, things and strategies and skills work differently for others as it does for maybe ourselves. And so you have to find out during the preseason and the off season, oh, okay, here's all these things that have been given to me and that I was taught. How can I implement them into my routine on a daily basis to then build a better mentality? Same thing with physical training. You've got strength coaches. Hey coach, here's what I would like to accomplish physically going into the season. How can I do that? What is the routines and strategies that I need to do? Maybe it's working with a nutritionist as well. You know, there's all kinds of different things that you could do to help you implement those strategies and make it a routine. Do you think it's important for everyone to be involved in this goal goal setting period or process setting period? I think it's important for everyone to understand that these goals set the precedent of what we would like to accomplish, but they don't set the standard of like how we're going to view ourselves and rate ourselves in terms of our value that we bring to the table. Yes, we would like to win a championship, but our value lies within the things that we can control. You know, your energy, your attitude, your effort that you bring every single day, your positive mindset, being a good person. That's a very overlooked, controllable skill is just being a good person, showing up. Everything that's within your control is typically a choice. You can choose one way or the other. It's the exact same scenario for everybody and everybody can view it differently, you know, one way or the other. So um Goals are great to look at and say, we would love to reach these standards, but at the same time, they're out of our control. It doesn't, it doesn't um, determine our value that we bring to the table. What does is these minimal things that we control that determines our value. And, you know, some players can have more value than others if they do the controllables at a high level rate. And then probably stepping on a bit like, how do you refocus everyone on these things? Because again, the coach has got a million and one things to do in a season. There's sessions after session. You might get three or four months into it and you're almost like you feel the group's lost focus. Um, is a different way again, does it go back to the first question right at the start in terms of do you need to target certain players that you think affecting it or is it always about the group? So are you talking about in terms of reviewing the goals and knowing what you would like to accomplish yeah. throughout the season when you yeah. decide that? Yeah, so I think it's a, like for me, the simple strategies, everybody's on their phones quite a bit throughout the day. I have a, I created for Prime Performance, my own company, a success checklist. And it's just a little square box with a checklist on it of things that you can do every single day that are a choice, one way or the other, 
if you do these things on the positive side, the, the good side of it, you do these things at a high level, um, you know, I think that that is considered a successful day, regardless of how you play, regardless of what stats you produce, regardless of the win loss, take a screenshot of that success checklist, make it your screensaver. Guess what? You see that every time that you, you look at your phone, it's there. You might not fully dive into it, read it, but it's there. I like it. Some athletes, they'll print this off. I print it off for some athletes as well. Tape it up in your locker. Every time you get into your locker, you'll see that success checklist before you go out onto the field or before you got onto the pitch. That's what you need to accomplish today. You don't have to do anything else. You don't have to be anybody else but yourself. Here's the things that you can go out there and do at a high level and still consider it a successful day. Um, and then the coach also. And I know every team has like group chats now, group messages that they have. I'd send that in there every Sunday night and say, hey, just to let you know, here's what I want to accomplish this week. I want us to be really, really good at these things. Uh, just, a, just a brief reminder could set the tone for the entire week. I really like that. And again, what what kind of things are on them, them checklists? It'd be interesting to see, like, here are a couple of, like, again, there might be some really novel things, there might be some really important things. What things have you seen that are on there that could be really effective for probably the listeners to kind of hear? Yeah, I can pull mine up here. Um, it's just a simple success checklist. Teams and coaches, they can add in whatever they want. They can make it their own. But these I've found are some of the ones that you can always do at a high rate. I'll pull it up here. So it's just a square box. And I talk about the controllables and not controllables. I think first, before you do this success checklist, it's important to have the people that you're working with understand what was within your control, what's outside of your control. But for my success checklist, just rambling off what I have, your energy, we control energy. You can bring energy to the table. You can create energy when energy's not there. Everybody has an opportunity to you know, choose to bring energy. Your attitude's always a choice. Your effort and hustle's on there. Positive thoughts, your positive thinking or mindset you could put in that. Uh, being a good teammate, just being somebody fun to be around. Communication's big. Body language is a choice as well. And then your preparation. So those things, I if you're not producing stats or you're in a slump and you start to go and focus on those things right there, you could even add to it in terms of, you know, what you can control. I think that's a great start in a, in a good um, standard checklist of, Hey, I don't have to go out there and play like Superman. I don't have to play like the best of the best in my sport. I just have to control these and it's a considered a successful day. And personally, it's not, if people are doing that at a high rate, they're not, they're not going to just like fizzle out. They're not going to be a bad athlete. You're, you're going to produce if you do those things every single day at a high rate, no matter, you know, where you're at in your training. Um, I think that you are going to have a successful career if you do those things every single day at a high rate. Yeah. And it probably links back to, I'm a big believer the more I've worked in coaching and worked with players, the players that don't commit to that will be the ones that lacking confidence, fall out of form, and then they almost can't find that level of confidence again. Again, whether confidence is the right word or not, whereas I'd say the ones that do the right things every day, that's never really like an issue. Cause I think yeah, it's almost it's almost like you're satisfied with yourself every time you go to sleep at night. You know, like you couldn't have done anything else. And if you again, this is where you start to work people out in terms: of are they genuinely committed to doing these things, or do they cut corners? Which I think is really interesting as well. Yeah, and back to our first podcast on confidence yeah. that you had me on with it you know preparations the big you want to be a more confident athlete or coach even 
go prepare more, go prepare a lot harder than you have before. If you do things over and over and over again, you're going to instantly gain confidence. Uh, when I first started with all my material and my content and stuff, first few times that I was going out there and talking about this stuff, I was confident in it, but not as confident as I am now. I don't even think twice about looking at notes, but I've done this over and over and over and over again. So that confidence is built through preparation 100%. Yeah. No, and I think um, we'll leave it there, Austin. That's brilliant. Really appreciate stuff, like you said, around team dynamics. And then <laughs> we've kind of gone full circle and linked it back to the first COD, uh, podcast. So thanks for your time, mate. Absolutely. I appreciate you having me on. Top man.